This is the Insurance Law Podcast, brought to you by Best Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, the broadcast about timely and important legal issues affecting the insurance industry. I'm John Zuba, Managing Editor of Best Recommended Insurance Attorneys, including expert service providers. We're pleased to have with us today expert service provider Dan Thompson. Dan is the President and CEO of DG Rehabilitation Technologies, with offices in Ontario, Canada, and in Arizona. He has worked with the litigation arena for over 26 years. Dan is a registered rehabilitation professional, registered vocational professional, and a certified life care planner. Dan's company provides expert opinion to insurance carriers, attorneys, and medical professionals by assessing their needs and vocational capabilities for people with disabilities. And Dan, thanks again for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me again, John. I really appreciate the opportunity. And today we're going to be discussing vocational rehabilitation. And Dan, for our first question, could it could you tell our audience what is vocational rehabilitation? Well, that's a great question, John. Um, vocational rehabilitation, or as we in the industry call it, voc rehab, it's primarily a process that enables people with functional, psychological, developmental, cognitive, and or emotional disabilities to overcome their barriers uh, to either access, in other words, if they've never had employment before, to get a job, maintain, or to return to the workforce if, of course, they've had an injury. And what that really means is, you know, uh, it's the best means practice to try to get people uh, back to work or just employment for the first time. Now, some of the techniques might include doing a, a formal assessment uh, for people who have never worked before. That may mean resume writing and or uh, uh, how to conduct oneself in an interview. Uh, for those who have worked before, it may be a matter of doing an ergonomic uh, test to see what the environment is like, uh, program evaluations, research, so in other words, let's find out how practical it is for someone to get back into the workforce, goal setting and planning, and in some cases, it might even be health advice to uh, help them mitigate their disability, um, you know, to support a return to work. Uh, some of the career counseling, job analysis, in other words, uh, uh, what is the market going to be bearing at this point? Job development, of course and uh, uh, placement services. Now, uh, sometimes it's a matter of doing a functional or work capacity evaluation, and what that means is that we try to ascertain whether they're working in a sedentary, a medium, and or a heavy capacity, and what sort of things can they do physically uh, to meet those goals. Dan, what are some of the other factors that also need to be considered? I guess when you're looking at uh, vocational rehab, um, you know, uh, basically assuming that the person worked before they had the accident, the first rule of thumb, John, is to try to get them back into the same job. However, uh, that may not be possible due to their physical and or cognitive limitations that prevent them from working in that capacity. So, for example, a construction worker, uh, he may not have the physical or she may not have the physical capacity to carry out the demands of their job. And if the job is unionized, for example, you may even have to look at the collective bargaining agreement 
and take that into consideration as well. If you cannot get them back to their old job, the next rule of thumb, of course, is to try to get them back to the same employer, but to look at perhaps their transferable skills. So if we take that same construction worker, he may not be able to frame a house. However, depending on their aptitude and skills, they may be able to develop the blueprints for that same house. Um, that or they may be able to become a crew manager and or a project manager for the same housing project. Uh, a tool that's used to accomplish that, uh, that we in the vocational rehab industry use, is called a transferable skills analysis. So what that's a matter of, uh, or the attempt, I guess, is to try to take what the, uh, that job requires in terms of what skills are needed and then to look at what that person has and try to come up with a match. So, uh, you know, that's uh, um, the main things I think that we would look at. And uh, usually nine times of ten, they're pretty successful. Dan, how about any differences in how vocational rehabilitation is handled in Canada as compared to the U.S.? I don't think there's a huge difference. I think uh, uh, most states and or provinces have a VR department, that's a vocational rehab department, and that may manifest itself in different ways. But what they try to do is work with job seekers with disabilities to secure or maintain employment. Uh, now, before I became a registered RIA professional, a registered vocational professional, and a certified life care planner, I co-founded a company called Colbox Communications. And in essence, what we did is we developed voice recognition products to improve the productivity for people with disabilities. In essence, you know, what we do is we do that same means analysis I talked about before, uh, working with the province's VR department so that uh, uh, if the person had a job but they needed a computer with voice recognition or some other adaptation to ensure they could meet the productivity, that's where that would come into play. So, uh, uh, and, and that way you look at what the deficits are physically that this person has and try to match the technology accordingly. Now, in the U.S., the Department of Labor uses what they call the Dictionary of Occupational Titles, or DOT. In Canada, we use what they say is the NOC, that's the National Occupation Codes. Now, both of those um, uh, systems, I guess, try to attempt to standardize the language um, for job descriptions. You know, we try to look at uh, what type of excuse me, job categories that might be out there, the education needed the type of temperaments, uh, physical demands, what kind of temperatures they're working uh, in. So, for example, people with burns may have to uh, uh, have a high consideration on what type of temperatures they're being exposed to. So it takes everything, I guess, into consideration. They also look at the employment numbers. So, in other words, how realistic is it for you to get a job when it's saturated by the amount of employees out there? And uh, these are all very helpful tools in helping someone try to get a job. But as I indicated before, there's not a whole lot of difference in the U.S. and in Canada. How about the impact on claims, Dan? Can you tell us that? Well, I mean, after all, AMBEST, that's what they're here for, is to look at what impact it's going to have on the insurance industry. So uh, if we look at the unemployment 
for people with disabilities in the United States, it was registered as 8% in 2018. Now, John, that's almost twice the rate for people with disabilities, or people without disabilities, I should say, which was 3.7%. In Canada, those numbers are even more striking. Um, If we look at that and we take into consideration that uh, the unemployment rate was as low as 5.8%, whereas people with only mild disabilities had 35% unemployment rate, and those with severe disabilities had a 74%. So when we take all that into consideration, what exactly does that mean? Well, when we look at the average minimum wage in the United States, that's $7.25. In Canada, we're looking at $11.06. Either way, on face value, it doesn't seem to be a huge loss of earnings claim that uh, the person would have. However, if they're young and, say, 19 or 20 years old, and you're going to be amortizing that over the rest of their what we call work life, well, if you expose that for, say, another 45 years, we could be looking at a loss of earnings claim almost as much as a million dollars. So basically what we try to do is make sure that they can hopefully get some type of employment, either part-time or full-time. And, uh, you know, even if they work, say, as a Walmart greeter, you know, I think that's going to improve their quality of life. It's going to enable them to get out and socialize and meet with people. And, uh, you know, that's the important thing. I mean, people don't sit around uh, when they go to a party, and the first thing people do is ask you, what do you do for a living? Well, I'd much rather say I work at Walmart then say I sit at home and am unemployed. And then what do you see for the future? Well, that's a very interesting question. Um, I think what we need to look at is, I guess, the the different ages in, in uh, um, employment. So, for example, the agricultural revolution enabled people to produce more food, enabled them to have more time to pursue leisure activities, and, of course, it improved their quality of life. And, therefore, they did not have to spend all of their time foraging for food just to stay alive. Now, the Industrial Revolution, it created even new industries, such as the automotive industry, where skilled workers were replaced with low-skilled workers, and employees were both uh, underpaid and overworked. One only has to look at the movie Norma Ray to see what type of deplorable work conditions were out there. Now, in the post-industrial age, um, basically most people, I guess, uh, are being displaced. So, for example, bank tellers are replaced by machines. You go to your local Starbucks, you may or may not even be served by an employee. It might be by a machine. So where jobs are displaced, new opportunities become available. So, for example, these same employees who worked at Starbucks may now be working in technology jobs to support the same industry. So, um, again, people are making money in different ways. Nowadays, there are bloggers or YouTubers that are out there that are making vast amounts of money that wouldn't even be possible, say, a few years ago. So, although conventional jobs may be going by the way of the dodo, I think, as I indicated before, 
it opens up vast opportunities in other areas that perhaps aren't conceivable until that industry uh, comes into play. So that's, uh, that's the way I see things, John. Dan, thanks again so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me, and uh, look forward to doing it again sometime. You've just listened to Dan Thompson, President and CEO of DG Rehabilitation Technologies with offices in Arizona and Ontario, Canada. You can learn more about Dan's company at dgrehab.com. And special thanks to today's producer, Frank Bowinkle. And thank you all for joining us for the Insurance Law Podcast. To subscribe to this audio program, go to our webpage, www.ambest.com slash claims resource. And if you have any suggestions for a future topic regarding an insurance law case or issue, please email us at lawpodcast.ambest.com. I'm John Zuba, and now this message. Best Insurance Professionals and Claims Resource is the top website for locating qualified professionals and need-to-know insurance information for the claims market. Brought to you by AM Best, the world leader in insurance industry information. Visit ambest.com slash claims resource.